You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, I had to think about the title of this message because last time I titled it Stoked for You as it relates to this phrase in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Use your Bible or your digital device as you feel most comfortable with. But the phrase is, there's no condemnation. And so I called it Stoked for You because God is showing you the nature of the Christian life and how He actually wants to operate in your life in such a way as that his blessing operates through you. And so I called it a couple of weeks ago, stoked for you. And as I prayed and prayed, here's what it is. I know it's a little silly, but this is stoked for you too. I know it sounds maybe like a sitcom or something, but I couldn't laugh when I wrote it down. And so this is part two of that message. Verse one here at the top of the hour here, Romans chapter eight, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened in the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Good news for you, church here. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of spin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. I'm going to pray. Ask Christ to be with us. I'm also now remembering uh, I'm going to pray for my good friend, Pat Kennedy, who got COVID a couple of days ago, not doing that well with it, actually, as of this morning's report. And so let's just continue to pray for him and give our focus to God's word. So Lord Jesus, we pray for Pat and we pray, Jesus, we speak your life to him. We ask God that he would be healed, that strength and power would now come into his health and he would be a healthy, fully functioning man. We pray peace over the household, Lord God, and even over the Hume family. And now, God, we pray that you would speak to us, your church, as we seek to gather in your name and to learn the things of Christ. Come, Lord God, as we give our lives to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Can all people say amen? amen. So I have a belt here. So this belt is actually made by my friend Nick Tapolt from Jawbone Leather, and I had another belt like it. And I wanted another one made sort of like this. And so I gave it to him. I don't know how old Nick is. I don't even think he's 20 years old. Uh, but uh, he, looks, he looks even younger. But anyways, a young man got a business going. So I gave him a belt. I said, make me another one also to help his business out. And he did it. And so here's why I have this. When we read this scripture, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What you have to understand is it's like a belt of truth. So for us, 
probably if I went around the, the, the church here, and I won't, and you won't with me, but most of our belts are more decorative. They're probably not holding up our trousers much. We have, we have jeans that are designed a certain way. We have good buckles and belts and, and that kind of style. And so we don't really wear belts except for fashion statements if you want to make a fashion statement. Most of these are more decorative. But back in the days of the scriptures, that was not true. You had something called a tunic. A tunic is like a dress. Basically, it would just go over your body, and hopefully you had undergarments on, and maybe you did it. But what you did is you had a belt, and you tied a belt around your waist, and that belt became an anchor for other portions of your garment that you could wear, whether it would be an outer garment or a series of outer garments, whether it could be a purse, whether it could be a sword, whether it could be some sort of weapon. You had a belt that tied your whole garment together. Are you with me? This truth, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It's not for everybody. It's for those who are in Christ Jesus. They are part of God's design so that you would understand his work in you. You have been designed to live a blessed life. There will be hardship with it. Don't misinterpret that. But you are designed by God to live a blessed life. You're designed by God to not have condemnation. That's why it says it so brazenly and so boldly here that there is actually no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And later on in the chapter, the scriptures will clearly illustrate that. In the first part of our teaching, I've referenced Genesis chapter 12, which is known as the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham, who's done nothing right, and he's He's not able to earn it as we cannot earn the favor of God. It comes to us by a divine grace. And God simply says, Abraham, I am going to make you a blessing. And the Bible says he believed it. And so there was a credit to him of God's righteousness. He was not morally perfect. He was not a straight arrow. He had some weaknesses of a character that he would spend his lifetime growing, just like you and just like I. But God says, I am going to come and visit you. And my visitation will less rest upon you because it is my design as I interact with the human race that I would bless you and people would know me through you as a blessing. So that was Romans, that was Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to give you one more reference to that and it's going to be in Psalm 86. So go to Psalm 86 and I want to read this uh, one small portion of this psalm with you. It's Psalm 86 verse 8. And listen, friends, uh, I live on planet Earth with you. So as you look at your pastor's Bible at the very bottom, okay, I know you can't read it from here. At the very bottom of my Bible, I reference, I write, I have this, the signature of a heart right there. And it's 86, that Psalm. And then I have the words at the bottom, save my life, and I dated it. Because there are moments in all of our lives where we sit and we go, God, I need to know you're there. I need to know you're real. I need you right now in the ways that I'm so desperate for you. I believe in all these things, but I need to know to the deepest core of my being right now that you truly are true, that you are God my Father, and that every burden I have, every circumstance in my life, that you have greater power to overcome that than any other force in the universe, and that you are in fact with me. And so Psalm 86 speaks to that here in verse 8. 
It says this, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come. And what's your Bible say? What's that word? Worship. There's a declaration that all of the nations on planet Earth will actually come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall, what's that word in your Bible? And shall what? Glorify. And shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Anybody else need to live there today? To know that God's promise, that what he's saying is, I have to remove condemnation from you. This is back to Romans. You're not to carry it. If you carry it, it will destroy you. You're not to carry condemnation. So it must be removed supernaturally by the cross. It's removed supernaturally at the cross. And that is so that Christ's blessing will begin to cultivate and work in your life so that this will become true. So that all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you. How? Because he'll make you a blessing. And all the peoples will come to know and glorify in the name of God. And so this psalm, this psalm is so that, so, that, so that we, we will be people endued and baptized and full of the blessing of God so that all the nations will praise God, so all the nations will know God, and so that you, you will be part of that person. You'll be those people who will go and bestow God's blessing. And you know, a lot of times you're not even going to completely understand all of the dynamics. You're just going to go and be that blessing because he will change you, because he will work in and through you. And so I've read now from Romans chapter 8. I want to continue on because the rest of the chapter is talking about the Holy Spirit. And so... Now in verse 12, now in verse 12, I'm back to Romans chapter 8, thank you. So then, my brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So here's a couple words related to the Holy Spirit. Here's how you have to sort of begin to tie some of these things together. By way of reference, and I'm not going to have you turn there, just by way of reference. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the Spirit of God is actually over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God. So in the Old Testament, that word spirit is this really unique word in Hebrew called ruach. And that ruach was what God would use to actually breathe life into people. When you read Genesis, you have to understand that you're reading some of the oldest words ever penned in the history of the human race. 
And so Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 mentions in Hebrew, this word ruach is this word for spirit. And that spirit was creating. That spirit was creating planet Earth. That, that spirit was actually putting the boundaries on the laws of physics. That spirit was actually dividing the waters and making mountains and making it possible for us to live here. And that same spirit, are you ready for this church? I don't know if you're ready for it. Is the spirit mentioned here in Romans 8? It is that same spirit that's operating in you. I pray that you're in Jesus Christ. That same spirit, that same creative spirit. And so, so when we look at our lives, we understand that God is creating something beautiful. And he's creating a new man and a new woman. So that's one word, ruach. I'll tie them all together. I've got a couple more for you. The second one by way of reference is found in Genesis chapter 1-2. It's the face, the word face. It has to do with presence. Also referenced in Genesis 3-8, where Adam and Eve actually fled from the presence of God when they were in sin. The idea of face is the idea of being in God's presence. And so some people misunderstand this. So I've had the joy of doing a few, a few weddings recently. And so here are the two lovers, right? They're getting married and they look at one another and they're looking each other in the eyes and they're in this moment as they're saying their vows. So they're looking at one another and he looks so good and she looks so good and everything's great and, and all of our family and friends are there celebrating. And then we say our names to one another and then we say I do back to one another and they're just in the moment of each other and they're not thinking about anything else. They're not worried about how the bills are going to get paid. They're not worried about who's happy or not. That man is in the presence of his woman and you know what he's thinking? I love my woman. And that woman is in the presence of her man and she goes, I love my man. I one time had a wedding where the people, they just really, really wanted the shortest wedding ever possible. They, they wanted just a singular I do. We were in the water. I got my suit nice and wet in the salt water Pacific Ocean up to my knees. She wanted her dress flowing in the ocean and going all of like that. And they only wanted their parents and like a, a best one best friend. This is like six people doing it. And so here I have her and she's gorgeous. I have him and he's wonderful. And we're there together and the water's all lapping all over the place. And so I go, okay, you guys just wanted a single vow, you know, no preaching pastor. I want this to be done in five minutes. And then we're going to go to go eat. And so I do what they ask. They're in the presence of one another. He starts to tear up. Pastor, could you go longer? <laughs> I want to tell him, okay, well, you didn't order the longer one. <laughs> Let's get the sheet out here. Where's the longer one? Let's play those tapes. What do you say? She looks so good. It's not always going to be like this, is what he said. I, I, I just want to be here and soak this in forever. I want to live in this place. And she says the same things. and They're just so free-flowing back to one another. I'm trying not to get choked up in the moment of it. The Hebrew word for face, God's presence, it's exactly what it means. 
That's what's related to the Holy Spirit here in Romans 8. I'll give you the New Testament word for spirit in a moment, but it has a direct reference to that Ruach in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God has a direct reference to the face of God hovering over the waters, has a direct reference to the presence of God. It means that kind of wonderful, joyful intimacy. Nothing else matters. Next word just by way of reference, again, I'm cross-referencing a bunch of words related to spirit, is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, is the idea of breathed. So you and I exist as humans, as a human race, and we exist spiritually because God actually breathed life into us. So soil was taken, God made man breathe life into us, and so in the same way we are born again as God actually breathes life into us. This is the nature of these words that are being spoken. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God. That is part of that leadership that comes are sons of God, of course, daughters of God. For you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but to receive the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so he breathes this life into us. There's actually this breath of life. I, I find it so fascinating in John chapter 20, verse 21. I'm going to read this to you very quickly. Jesus says, as he comes after the resurrection, he says, peace be with you. Again, I'm referencing John chapter 20, 21. I'm working you guys out a little bit today. Well, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, and so I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And the next reference, the next reference has to do with forgiveness. Can you, can you comprehend and receive it? We carry condemnation. People carry condemnation. You know, that's the problem with our society. If your business is full of people with condemnation, then they, they bite at each other. And then they, they, they fight with each other. If your family is full of condemnation, then it's the same thing. If your relationships are full of condemnation, then it's the same thing. And if your churches are full of condemnation, well, <laughs> okay, first of all, it's not a church. <laughs> and it's not pretty. You want to see condemnation by just way of illustration? You should say no, but I'll show it to you. Social media, pretty much across the board. Platforms that were once designed to show a friend a wonderful photo. Hey, this is me. I'm at the Grand Canyon. Come with me next time. Hey, this is me in Maui. Whoa, look, at I'm surfing. I got my toes in the front of the board. Look at that. Look at my dog. Look at my cat. Look at my child. Look at my baby. Oh, great. We celebrate you. How wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. Can't wait to see you at the end of the year. Come over early. Send me a note. Oh, that's great. It's now turned into condemnation. We have an academic term now. It's called cancel culture. 
condemnation. We cannot have organizations that have condemnation and expect the blessings of God. And so we, we, God's people, as God's church, we, we have him take it off of us, literally rip it off of us, literally cut it right off of us. There's all kinds of biblical teaching about that so that we would be free of condemnation. And now to be free of condemnation, if you don't know this, this is sometimes where Christians get a bad rap, but it's the most beautiful thing. We sometimes get a little weird and enthusiastic and maybe we don't make rational sense because we're trying to shake you to get you to understand. Do you understand? You're wearing guilt. You're wearing shame. You're wearing condemnation. I'm not wearing it anymore. It's really good on this side of the street. And other people look and go, what? Romans 8 is telling us the gospel truth and inviting us into a no whole new place with God. My last word related to spirit is simply pneuma. Where the pneuma, what it really means is that it is God the Holy Spirit who is coming. And the invitation, and I, I have wrestled so long on what kind of applications can I give to you. I just feel like this is a text to preach. Because Paul will say then, brothers, we are debtors but not to the flesh, not to man, not to the world. We're debtors to this beautiful thing of the Spirit. With the Spirit, we have the supernatural power to put to death the deeds of the body. And the invitation which comes to us is we're actually, we're actually now God's children. We call him Abba, Father. Abba, Father. So the Bible has a very unique, interesting way of talking about being saved, being born again, being a Christian. In one sense, it will use the idea of being a slave, and that that's the attachment to God. But ultimately, it really ends up right here, where the way we are to think of ourselves is as sons and daughters of God. He is actually our Abba Father. That would be the last spirit word that I would give you. The Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are actually children of God. And if children, then heirs. So what is an heir? Okay, well, an heir really would be someone who knows how to take care of the father's business. So I'm not going to go and belabor this illustration. I will just use it in broad stroke. But there was a fascinating movie out uh, some time ago where there was actually a, a bunch of servants to a wealthy family. And this wealthy family was treating the servants very well. There's actually a very symbiotic relationship back and forth. Uh, in the way the story works, uh, the servants actually are able to get in the, the, the house. The uh, uh, wealthy folks are gone on a vacation, and so they're there, in a sense, house-sitting. And so what they choose is people who aren't heirs. Unfortunately, they begin, they begin to take everything like it's their own, but they just scatter the house and make a mess of it. They don't clean up. Uh, they're just taking things out of the refrigerator, literally throwing on the floor. Uh, they're having these fantasies about, oh, this big house will be ours one day. What if we were to marry into the family? And on and on they go. And when you see the cameras, it begins to give you a panorama view of what's going on. They're just making a colossal, total mess. Something an heir would never do. Because an heir would say, this is my father's house. 
And so we treat things a certain way. We have a certain kind of dignity and honor about how we go about. We understand there's principles in life that actually bring blessing to us, and there's principles in life that can actually bring curse. And so we're going to bring principles of blessing into our family. We even never take sacred and holy things and just make them a colossal mess. Just the opposite. So where's the action point, church? Where do we go? Where do we go? How does this work? The Spirit himself bearing this witness, this heirs, we're heirs of Christ. I can think of one major residing principle, and I'll say it this way. What God is asking you to do, and you can write this down by way of application, is to build an altar. You build an altar. Throughout the Bible, altars were built. Really, they're just like this down here. You go down to a river, you get some river rock, wasn't, uh, and you just make some sort of little platform, and you put it together. Maybe uh, it would be dedicated to the Lord a certain way. And it's interesting, the Bible has a very vague description of many of these altars. That's what the reference I mean by build an altar. So what's fascinating is one of the more elaborate altars, though, is found in the scriptures and found in the dedication of the temple with Solomon, where the, where the, the temple and the altar there where sacrifice was prepared. And so then there's this prayer, and then they're waiting, sort of. Where's the fire, Solomon? I thought we're dedicating this. Where's the fire, Solomon? I thought, you know, we're going to get on. Everybody wants to eat. And in one of the most powerful texts, the fire comes whoosh from God. You build an altar, God will light the fire. You build that altar, and God will send the wave of the Spirit. You build it. You prepare it. You have it. Now, secondly, by way of application, let me tell you about this altar because it could be so easy to construe. Like for myself, this is myself. I would think, okay, I'm going to build an altar. I'm not a construction guy. This is by way of practice and spirituality. I'm going to go get a really good construction guy and I'm going to build God a really nice altar, you know, that has really square edges and a flat table and it's going to have a really solid foundation. I'm going to build that kind of thing for God and then, and then you know, then he'll visit that. Don't do that. That's where the illustration will break down. You know what God wants you to build an altar out of? Broken things. Lost things. Rejected things. You take the broken, rejected, lost pieces of your life and you stack them on one another. And you say... God, this is an offering? Yeah. Because you're my son and daughter who I love. And the way to take this condemnation off of you is to actually have you offer to me those broken places, those lost places, those rejected places in life, and you stack them one on another, and you keep stacking, and you keep stacking, and then you just stand back and you watch, because I will send sacred fire, and I will light the sacrifice, because I love you. And that which was lost will turn into gain. I will be that transforming agency in your life so that you will walk on planet earth as somebody blessed of God so that the nations will then become to see you. Do you understand how this works? What kind of witness is a Christian if they're carrying condemnation? 
No, no, we're free of that. And so we're now going to take this liberty and this blessing of God to the nations and to the world and to our community and to our families and say, friend, you don't need to carry it anymore. That's the liberty of the cross. Be free. Enjoy tremendous forgiveness and liberty. So I'm going to pray right now. And I have friends on my prayer team. I want to ask you guys to come up. I want to ask my prayer team to come up right now. And listen, I want you as a church to join me up here if you simply have to say, I got to get rid of condemnation. There's some stuff sticking to me. Remember, I was transparent with you. I have a reference in my own Bible on Psalm 86 where I said, God, you just saved my life by reading a verse. And if that's you, then just come up and pray with these guys. So we're not going to listen to all of your story or all of your things. I just want you to get prayer. And I'm not going to play the band and all of that. They're great. So if that's you, if you feel like you need to get free of something and receive prayer, then right now, right now, I want you to get up out of your seat boldly as a statement of faith and come and just tell these people, just pray for me. And they will pray. And that will be your altar that you build. That will be your sacrifice that you build. And God will do something great. So come and be free, church. Come and be free. I just messed all this up. Anybody else? Come and get prayer. Come and get prayer. I'll dismiss the whole crowd in just one moment, but I want you to come forward and I want you to get prayer. Be free. Guilt, shame, condemnation, get it off you right now. There's something supernatural that God wants to do. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.